Welcome, everyone, to um, our final episode of Harm's Way. We will be discussing a few questions of the game. We will have a discussion on the scenes and characters. And uh, we are here with all the guests and the casts from the previous episodes. So um, I'm Klavion, and we're here with Nizet, Estes, Savitic, Luca, and with Eric, also known as Unpossible. And uh, we will start a little bit with the um, first impressions of the game. So. Now, it's been about a week for us now that we are recording, so I still hope the, the memory is quite fresh, and I will just ask the others what they thought about uh, Harm's Way and their playthrough. So who who should start? The one who's asking? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I had a great time, of course, like, it was, it was amazing, it's really funny, but also, I mean, I want to talk about, uh, this is my opinion, like, how, how properly articulated this this short adventure is i had a great time and i it felt so you know like it felt so i mean i am struggling to find the world but i think like it had a, a swift flow you know it was like uninterrupted it was really like really great flow everything was really good uh it was very enjoyable and you know i hardly noticed that it was like three hours long or like f almost four hours long it was like really 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 uh you know, it was really nice. It had a really good pace. Yeah, it went in, in no time. It also felt I, felt, I felt the same. It was like very uh, dense, also all the encounters, and it felt like no time. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, the, the party composition, the characters, to me, they were really, really, really greatly you know, designed in terms of there's, there's connections, but there's also like opposition. You have it a judge you have an apocalyptic you have two brothers who are also in opposition of each other because they're looking are aiming at different things and sister yeah it is, it is like great siblings siblings, yes. yeah. siblings. siblings yeah. yeah i don't know to me it was like really good really really greatly crafted adventure i had a really good time playing it and, and how we develop it between the, ourselves yeah um i loved it too uh, i think it's it's a great adventure for starters and it also picks up some problems that are often discussed in the community and gives an answer to this. Actually, um, this this group composition you mentioned is something that is often discussed. So how can a judge play with an apocalyptic so they are pretty opposed to each other and um, often the cults or people in the cults are seen very monothematic and I think that's uh, that's a thing this adventure does very great with the starter characters so that you can see that they have maybe more than one thing that drives them through this adventure. Maybe one is blackmailed or yeah, someone else wants to join a cult and so they find common ground and work together at least for some time. Yeah, it's it's not the best common ground to to be um, combined with, like having the carrion birds and owing them something. It's <laughs> I think that's kind of trouble. But um, now that the characters are basically hopefully done with the business, um, they can try to establish some sort of positive relationship with the carrion birds. Personally, like I was very surprised after like reading the book afterwards. Like it is. Harm's Way is probably the most boring sounding adventure. Like, you're just like hauling a corpse across the protectorate. But 
it really paints a great picture of the protectorate of its people of just the world of the genesis in general because just because it sounds boring doesn't mean it is it was full of content and it was just very well articulated as nizet said yeah it's kind of slice of life can you say it like this it's um it's an, an easy task while i'm <laughs> I'm putting yeah. my fingers up in the air like easy. I think I th think there have been days where this task, like carrier corps to harm, um, met less of a trouble. I think the four characters were uh, exceptionally unlucky with um, all the things that happens on the road. There was definitely some potential to to escalate the whole story as well. But uh, I also feel like this is a a great highlight, especially also of uh, life of a provider. For example, like the, each scene has a different highlight on uh, on what is happening in the city institution. Oh, Eric, oh, sorry, yeah. I'm just gonna uh, say interject one thing, which is that you were talking about the feel of the adventure, and I think one of the things that does a great job of is is it articulates to people that are new to the game that um, this is not a murder hobo game. It's, it's not going to work that way. Like if you decide, yeah. oh yeah, no, screw it, we're just going to go and like. <laughs> <laughs> you know, get into conflict with really anybody, like anybody that you might encounter um, and you might resort to violence with is going to have people who are going to back them up and come after you later, uh, which is the way it is in society, any society, right? Like almost nobody is um, just operating alone. And so when you mess with one person, you're messing with a lot of people. And so I think it does a great job of just sort of pr presenting that up front and getting people into that mindset of, Oh yeah, we're not just going to be able to force our way through things in this game, which yeah, so that was one of the big strengths. For the first point, it shows that how damn hard it is to get rid of one corpse. <laughs> yeah. So we pr produce more. It will be like whole adventure ten times over. <laughs> <laughs> I it's mean, a... I think I think it, I can remember who said it, but in the Genesis, you don't play heroes; you play regular people. So fighting other people is scary because i mean you're also just another person you don't have superpowers you don't even have like the backing of a big cult most of the time because you're like the lowest level like peon yeah i, I find it uh, kind of refreshing also to to have no guns like yeah uh, it's oh, um yeah. it's usually when when you start off as a gm you have a party and people first thing they want to do is like buying guns i had a chronicler and he didn't read all the parts, and he was like, okay, can I get a gun now? Um, <laughs> even though it's sanctioned technology. But uh, now the fact that um, basically nobody has guns and all combat and melee, like, Etta has the strongest weapon, which is a giant fucking hammer. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and that is, uh, I think, th that is a good way to introduce new players, um, to give them some soft entry into the game, um, Lonely felty because of no guns, but as soon as they get into a con their first conflict with guns, they will realize, oh, holy crap, this is really, really deadly. And it's already kind of dangerous, and it should give them the feel of danger. But not having any major weapons uh, in this adventure, I think it really helps the cause. Yeah, definitely. It, it's a, it sets the mood, it sets the pace. Like you see your inventory and... I know there are some random encounters, uh, or like, well, not random encounters, but there are some situations in the adventure that, for, for example, there's a fight breaking between two mobs, like, a, like two groups of people, and you can intercede or whatever. And 
fighting it's never an option or like in the end when you have to meet like hawker which is the judge waiting in harm there's no way for you as a character to fight hawker first because of the rank you know it's like it's like going outside to like to the to the corner of your house and fighting with the police it's like it's like bonkers and the second thing is like for <laughs> example of course he's going to probably single-handedly wipe your asses you know like has a ha, I think he has like a flare gun that calls for for the backup of the of the judges yeah. in the place and it's like it, it is strictly uh, implied that there's no way for you to win that encounter if you want to use force like it is absolutely dissuading you for trying the the murder hobo the and the approach of uh, uh, I have I will have to fight you like it's the only way I can deal with my problems and with my conflicts and and, and it's great like I think it, it Like you say, Clavian, like the, the simple task and the simple things, you know, like it is all grounded. It is all very, very real and genuine. Like, And it's a good, for me, it's a good conclusion. Like you can't fight your way through stuff in the Genesis because you're a simple person. Like like life is normal life and your action has, you know, your action has some consequences that, well, you know, it can be the end of it all. So why would your character even do that? Why would you risk it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, why, why would you risk it? There, there are many opportunities where um, I, I think I speak for, for for most of the GMs that uh, some characters won't follow any plot tray, uh, plot hook, or any story because it's just too dangerous. Like I, I, myself, I've been mastering um, Call of Cthulhu for a long time, and the hardest thing in Call of Cthulhu is to keep the investigators hooked to not just nope out. <laughs> imagine you just saw some very strange creature or you saw murder the first thing everyone would do is like just leave just run away and uh, I, I think that's um, that's also a thing you, you need uh, to to motivate the people I think motivation is really great in um, in Harvest Way every character has um, has their personal reason to, to be there in contact with Wicker and the Carrion Birds yeah and uh, everything is thoroughly thought over like no of the no character can just say i'm out of it no i'm going nope because well vesper will have his whole life from since he joined the current birds wasted he'll never join the flock he just wasted one year of his life for being a pushover and nothing uh, Kiefer will not leave his sister his sister will not miss on that chance to also become a current bird and etta is blackmailed <laughs> so on the one hand you have all the team that cannot just say, no, we're not doing it in the very beginning. But at the same time, it, they're instilled with a sense that they need to be extra careful from the very beginning. Like they are howling a corpse, a totally illegal matter all the way. We need to be careful from the start with everything we do. I think one of the things as a, as a GM that that brings up for me is just that you, um, you generally want to avoid um, railroading um, players and, and sort of not giving them um enough options or or you know you want to avoid situations where it feels like they have no sense of agency but i thought what was great about this is this is a starter adventure and in a starter adventure the players don't know that much about the world yet and so it's really okay to put them on a straight line as long as they have room to maneuver within that you know within that line and i really having read the adventure and then <clears throat> watching you guys play through it was cool because 
there were a couple of times where I was like, oh, wow, okay, I didn't see that coming. Like, I didn't think that was going to go down like that. And so there's, there was enough room to maneuver, but it also kept it straight enough that, you know, again, you, you, you guys are familiar with the Genesis, but had you been new players with no understanding or comprehension of it, I think um, if, if the scenario had given too much room and too much latitude, it could have been sort of hard for, for new players to sort of understand the setting and really get, um, or, or even get the adventure completed. So I thought it was a good balance. Not, not only new players, also new GMs. I think yeah, the yeah. way, the way Harm's Way is structured, also the encounters, um, it serves just great to, um, for, for new GMs into the world of uh, degenerates to select maybe their own encounters. They, they prefer, they like. I, I roll the dice every time. So I wanted to keep it as uh, random as possible, but you can also add another encounter, remove a special encounter, mix your own encounters. It's, um, now, for, for, for those of you who haven't read it yet, there are a little bit more encounters now that we haven't played through. And uh, we, we shouldn't spoil these encounters. I think it's best if you all just uh, go right away and um, look into uh, harm's way yourself and, and see what kind of other encounters could have been there. There's, uh, there are some very interesting characters. It's a shame that we didn't meet um, the man with the uh, royal name and the horrible job. <laughs> Uh, I think Liam really liked this character, but uh, there will probably be other groups who will have this encounter in their game. It now, has, um, very interesting. At Eric, uh, did you have any favorite uh, player character, uh, just from the uh, story, the background? Um... Boy, you know, I I, I have to say, I, I know it sounds like a cop out, but um, I really liked all of them. Like, I, I just thought they were. Um, well suited to, uh, like you said, they were sort of disparate characters. They had different motivations. Um, they, a couple of them, <laughs> were not um, uh, doing what you would expect, right? Um, as um, as a judge in a would be battalion, for example. Um, yeah, I, I don't know that I I had a particular favorite actually, and also I think. Um, you guys did a really good job of playing them all sort of to form, you know, like, um, so yeah, I, I know, I, like I said, <laughs> I know that sounds like a cop out, but, but I really, I really did enjoy them all. I, there were a couple of, there were also just sort of a couple of, um, interactions when, um, I'm, I'm totally spacing on her name, but the judge, um, Edda. yeah, Edda, um, when Edda, um, used her, the, the authority of her position, um, I thought that was, that was excellent. Um, and it was so great too because she was like, "If you don't listen to me, you're going to get in trouble for for doing something illegal." And she was using that as a way to mask her own illegal behavior. So that was that was really yeah. good. Yeah, actually, Etta is something or somewhat on the brink the whole time because she's on a cold turkey, and I don't think she likes what she is doing there but she actually knows that she has no other option as pulling through. So, yeah, I think angry was the best option for her to be role-played in this kind of scenario because she's maybe kind of upset about her whole situation she got herself into. Yeah, I think I think you did a, a great job playing her as the uh, angry person she is because she wants to get this job done, so she's uh, quite pissed. I I, yeah. I would imagine also Vespa being pissed to some degree to to take care of this uh, 
Kindergarten of Unknown Characters. Just yeah. because it's it's like the only <laughs> step, uh, it's the only last step that's um, that's between him and finally leaving um, this this lifetime of getting bullied by um, the higher ranked apocalyptics. So well, uh, yeah. pissed would be definitely a um, a good role for many of the characters. Yeah, he now, was cleaning and doing errand boy for a year, so he's finally doing something that's actually not. Showing shit. Yes. <laughs> F- finally, the legal stuff. Yeah. So I guess this, we've got still the characters are set, but we've got still room for interpretation. Yes. 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 It's also fun. Now we have prepared a little spreadsheet, and I've um, I have a little question here. What we wrote down. Uh, we plan to talk a little bit about the scenes, and maybe we can try to. Uh, do it right away now. We had the scene with Etta, who um, who was talking to this juryman, and oh, yeah, uh, the juryman. Now, what what I got from from reading and preparing the story is that uh, the juryman ah. can be righteous, but they can also try to um, to to work for their own profit. And I think most of them will work uh, for their own profit. And uh, it also, I think, something that people. Uh, don't realize uh, ASAP is that it realizes how fast uh, the jurisdiction changes and how fast decrees can uh, can travel and change in jurisdiction. And I think that is also something that um, uh, kind of pisses off the providers because they are in a situation where they never know what comes next from the judges. And, and they just uh, want to farm, for God's sake. <laughs> they just want to farm and drink. Yeah, the so. juryman is... Uh... I don't know. Maybe there are some people who don't know what a juryman is. He's not a real judge, but yeah, some kind of um, legal advisor for for the providers. So he's working re- really close with the judges, but he is no judge himself. And often they use this power of having knowledge about the law to turn the law into their own favor. And yeah. There's there's simply not enough judges to um, to tell all the providers what they have to do or can do, so they definitely need any sort of legal advice. Yeah, and I mean they're basically also just judge cosplayers who are not allowed to go go full cosplay. So, <laughs> well, they they did have to refill the ranks from time to time. So if um, I, I think also in especially in the clan wars there were judges who. Who died and um, let, let's uh, put it like this: Justician is partially desperate to find new judges if they are to 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 keep their ranks intact and also the city protected. Um, another scene that I <laughs> that I liked because you almost missed the essential clue was um, the sparrow. It was the little um, chestnut cafe. Now, I had a hard time imagining, like, okay, what does this place look like? Okay, there's, a, there's Tommaso sitting at the bar. Now, who's the, who's the owner? Who's, um, who's preparing all of this? I had an owner character prepared. And as <laughs> I listened to it again, and I realized that I introduced this owner, like, just standing next to it, not saying a single word. There was the whole discussion with Tommaso, and then suddenly there's the owner. Talking to the players. That was funny. That was funny, though. Um, that was that was definitely me not realizing. Oh wait a second, there's another person in in the whole game. Now, 
what I find really funny, I depicted this um, drawn bird, and nobody asked what kind of bird it was. And <laughs> and I thought, oh well, okay. How do I stick? How how do I tell the players that this is the clue, the sparrow? Hmm. I should repeat it a little bit, and I hope I didn't repeat it no, excessively. It was, it was, yeah, it was okay. It was like like while going, I was yeah. I was going through the like through the episode while editing it, and there's like two really, for me at least, really hilarious situations where you have one, you have Vesper going out of the place following Tommaso, trying to you didn't see anything like this never happened, <laughs> and all the conversation yeah. that ensued, and you also have Eta like using her authority to just like come on, give me a discount, you know, I am in service, <laughs> and. And, and the, the whole in, the whole interaction was at least for me like it was very funny. Did you uh, make the link with uh, Tessa and Tommaso? Tessa, I, the uh, wife from the encounter later. Yeah, in, I made uh, that. My character was stuck in the barn, so Etta handled ah. the talking. Well, yes, Etta handled the talking. There is a, a way to also um, ease the conversation if if you manage to to mention Tommaso and that you met him um, early on in this game. And if I'm not mistaken, yes. I bet she would have tried to sell us the wooden figurines as well. Then, yeah. <laughs> I, I have a diff another game where where players actually uh, got a wooden figurine. It was uh, Jehamedon who got a, a tiny wooden goat. Oh. <laughs> so um, yes, one. those folks in Uptown—they love this stuff. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> love their figurines. Well, if they got I, a little carved arhot. I love I love Tomas's characterization. To be to be honest, it was it was really fun. I, I think Liam will have to tell us also what um, he he wrote the texts and, and passages in a way. They could guess the accent, but I'm really bad at accents. I can't judge what, what type of accent this is. And I, I think Tommaso had this Texas Southerner kind of uh, farmer's accent, but I'm, I'm not really sure. I will have to reread. And uh, But uh, yeah, I, I think also at this point, again, Liam did a great job also to just de depict the slang of, of the... And, um, the um, the, the exit of different characters. Yeah, now, that's true. I have a little sticky note here. Um, Spitalian Fenrir's Patrol. Oh, <laughs> and, that was my and favorite. Tested, and please don't test Vesper. That was my favorite yeah. because that moment we all could have gone to the ground. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I found it exceptionally it. funny. I found it exceptionally funny how you all um, tried to ditch the test because now that um, if if you read the adventure afterwards, uh, you will see that they um, they splash um, yellow color on, on people that are positive on their test, which uh, is basically an indicator for other Spitalians. And um, it's it's not a fatal verdict. It just means that they will need a different way to get into the city afterwards or try to uh, circumvent uh, the controls to some degree or, or get rid of the color. But um, it's it's really funny how, how you tried everything possible and even came up with a, a very funny way of uh, explaining. And ruining the day for the owner of the sparrow. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> we just delegated problem after problem onto someone else. Like. <laughs> I liked how it backfired in the end. So I think uh, it it were yeah. what it was was this uh, Famulancer uh, group who ratted out on us and sent Hawker our way. So I think that was pretty fitting. I think every other encounter we handled somewhat well, at least in a way that the NPCs were not too suspicious. But this one, yeah, even yeah, yeah, that was I don't know. Um, yeah, we, I, Etta wasn't wasn't too nice to them, so uh, actually, uh, that made a lot of sense that they, yeah, had a grudge with us. It was it was funny, like for me playing Kiefer, who's supposed to be this like battalion fanboy, and you come across a group of ambulancers, and they're just assholes. Like they don't care that you got the pin; they just want to harass you and hassle your group, and like. I mean, even I got annoyed. Like, who who wouldn't be at that point? <laughs> that was really good, yeah. And it's another moment how well written is the adventure because that moment Kiefer could totally sell out all of us for yeah, yeah. But I a mean, promotion in this battalions. But he's got his sister there, so he can't do that. Yeah, that's yeah. another fun thing. To Not make. gonna tell him, sis. Definitely. Now, one question: Which character had the spore infestation? As a starting in the beginning, Vesper, was, it, certainly. It, was, it, and, was it Vesper? And, and yes, yeah. Etta. Yeah. Yes, okay. Well, when I, I read through the rules and I wondered, okay, they're going to do a test now. Is there any character who, oh, oh, this is going to be funny? And I just checked <laughs> and I saw that. So we have two characters. So, yeah. Yeah, no, it's, uh, you did great. And I think uh, I, I felt like using it as a sort of hook to get uh, Hawker on your trail somehow. So that was, it worked out the way I wanted. <laughs> I mean, um, we were I, very suspicious either way. <laughs> I also have a love interest here. I felt like I wanted to give my own twist on the uh, mounted protector character. Yeah. I might do it better next time, but I thought, okay, what if he likes the person that dislikes judges the most in the group? Yeah. And how can we turn this into an interesting situation? Now there is this uh, character called Cassian, a good-looking fellow, a, a judge jumping down his horse and telling, yeah, wait, have I seen yeah. it before? <laughs> and I, I thought this was a very funny situation because you were all very busy uh, with a corpse. And, I, I, yeah. I mean, I, I have to give it to Liam. I have to give it like this this particular interaction, this particular event for me, it's one of the most like incredible ones because it's a, like a really down-to-earth situation in which you are doing something and suddenly someone who knows you happens to come by and it's like, oh, Jesus Christ, really? Right now? Like at the worst possible moment, and it, for me, it's great. It's like a really comedic, but also stressing situation, you know, like, and, and, and I, I think, I mean, in my case, at least it's like, if I were to fuck it up and, and get caught by this situation, I will feel horrible. Like, really? Like, I, I went down for this. <laughs> so to me, it's, 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 it's a very good, like, a, it was an amazing choice to have that exact event written as part of the adventure. This for me is like really, really, you know, genuine. It's like 
something that could definitely happen, like anywhere. Yeah, it, it has some some Quentin Tarantino yeah, feel definitely. to it. So like tragic, but also comedic if it goes wrong. So it it didn't go wrong in our case, but it definitely can go wrong, and then then it's a, a tra tragedy, but it's a very funny tragedy, at least to me. I, I can't remember if it was also a comment in in our group about uh, how many places for corpses do we have in in the cart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But in the end, Mika uh, did the, took the sacrifice and um, had a date, <laughs> or is going to have a date? Who knows? Guy. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, I mean, had to get rid of him some yeah. way. I mean, someone had to take the ballot, so. Well, there's another thing that is at least as annoying as mounted protectors uh, who who seem to know you. It's uh, potholes. Potholes. <laughs> uh, <in> the, <laughs> the infrastructure of the protectorate is horrible. We gotta, like, take it up to the upper management and do something about it. Did you expect anything like this going down? Your card breaking in the beginning? Probably to mm. some degree a little bit. Like, like honestly, no, but now, like, retrospectively, looking back upon it, I'm kind of like... I feel bad that I didn't because it was obvious it was going to happen. Like something had to go wrong and the roads having to go wrong. I mean, especially like as someone who lives like in the Balkans and potholes on roads. Like you got pictures <laughs> of kids like standing next to a pothole, like at 10 years old. And then at 30 years old, the same pothole still there. Hasn't been fixed 20 years. <laughs> Well, don't you have these pot, uh, potholes where you can basically drop the corpse? It's deep enough. <laughs> you don't, <laughs> don't need any card idea. or any harm. It's just. A... Um, I, actually, I actually thought, as a GM, when I when I first read the um, adventure, I thought, "Oh man, I I have to start just incorporating that in general, like during <laughs> yeah. cross country travel." Like I, I, you know, it's just not something that I had really thought about, and I thought, "Man." what a fa that's a great it's a great plot device it slows people down you're vulnerable like you're not as mobile if somebody wants to ambush you you know so like there's a lot of broad applicability to that and i think in general the f overall feeling of the adventure is that um like you said it earlier is came up like it it feels like it actually could happen like it, it just felt so immersive in those little details but they're important little details so i love that oh t talking about important little details i was surprised that nobody checked the corpse in the beginning yeah yeah that's, I was, that's like the first thing you do and and you were the most reasonable team doing their job, not asking any questions. It was great. I was really impressed. No, I think you really had to fight the urge to, to look under the, yeah, the top, right? Yeah. yeah. Yes. Actually, I, I asked in the beginning what what's on the card. So we knew it's a corpse for sure. And after that, I wasn't too sure if Vesper had some, some other um, mission on the mission, you know, like screening us if we, if we behave or something like that. So I, yeah, I hold hold back and did not look for the corpse. And actually, that's something I wanted to say too because I think it was the pothole that forced us to look for the corpse because we put it into this barn and then it didn't smell too good. And then we checked on the corpse, right? Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. The reason was like uh, 
me as Kiefer like uh, wanted to check out if the corpse was like what's going on with it under the tarp just to see that it's not going like bad or something in a sense. Yeah, I found it really interesting um, the way Harm's Way is written. It's, it feels a little bit like a um, equal choice of either going for the barn, spotting the barn in the first place, or going um, for the uh, butcher solution, uh, which is the uh, hidden cleaver under the corpse. Oh, yeah. I, I, I think you were really fast checking out uh, a different loca location or location to fix everything up. And um, it, it would have also been a very interesting situation to really uh, just uh, chop up the corpse. I'm, I'm still waiting for, for GMs um, <laughs> recounting their playthrough where the team is so desperate they just pack the whole corpse into backpacks and just walk right away. Uh, in our group, none was fancy to carry the corpse in his bag, actually. Yeah. And we wanted to preserve the cart since we still had a donkey. That's true. That's true. You, you did a, a, a great job on... But uh, that's an emergency donkey. choice. If we lose the donkey, then you always have the butcher's cleaver. Now for Tessa, Typhus was the excuse this time. Now we have different excuses for the smell. <laughs> I think in this case it was it was typhus. Yeah, I mean the, the whole the whole the best part I think about the whole adventure and the way we play it is every time different excuse. Couldn't even keep the same story. Like if 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 uh, if Hawker was like on our trail and just questioning people, every time we'd be like, "What are these guys doing? That like they're obviously suspicious and up to something." Like. I found it, yes, yeah, it's, it's interesting that you didn't have the same story. You, you switched up the story. I think you were not really happy with the story that you told in the other encounters. Yeah, yeah. Actually, yeah, well, uh, my hope was that the typhus is, is repelling her because uh, Justician has some background story with a typhoid outbreak uh, about, I don't know, 50 years ago. And I thought maybe it's something like a common sense to be very cautious around this kind of sickness. Yeah, yeah. now that you said, uh, I, I will have to read it up, definitely. At this point, shame on me, but uh, true. That would be something for future GMs. Tessa will probably have heard from her parents that there was a, a major typhoid outbreak. Yeah, that's actually, not good. It's a really good detail as well, just yes. to like, just put like, like disease, with, I mean, very topical at this point of time, but just like a disease outbreak. Like, I mean, it just gives it so much life, the whole setting. And she will have to call these battalions to uh, disinfect her barn afterwards. <laughs> yeah, Tessa Tomaso's wife, very interesting encounter. Also, you did the interesting move to not stick to the barn, where she would have surprised you but you went straight for the farm. And basically you surprised her in the door or waiting behind the door uh, as you just straight up knocked at the door and uh, engaged the conversation. Um, in harm's way or the way it was written, it would have been that she surprised the players with a, um, I think it was an iron pipe, asking them what the hell's going on here. <laughs> and so um, the judge went straight forward and told them, we don't need this barn ASAP for repairs. 
I think that was a very interesting twist on the, the whole situation. It's a great move, like by Etta. Yeah, I think a lot of us are GMing actually, and maybe we are a little bit over suspicious in some situations because <laughs> that would be definitely something I would use to surprise my players. Uh, actually, I was also suspicious at this um, chestnut uh, selling point. I thought there must be something behind of it, um, <laughs> but I think it was pretty harmless. It, it was. I was suspicious there too. So <laughs> it's maybe just me. I remember Etta using the like the rolling perception with danger sense like when when it's summoning <laughs> the the figurines and the chestnuts it was like okay <laughs> that, that was really funny every, every time she rolled perception uh, can i use danger sense no there's <laughs> no danger that doesn't mean harm's way is harmless i, I mean i mean not, but, 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 i mean uh, but, but that's also great like how we said earlier about the the character having a reason to be on an edge permanently like like She, she's definitely paranoid because every, yes, everything in her is. life is, is, is at stake here. So yeah, no, she, she, she's definitely a paranoid character, and I think that that was well played. Did, how did you feel that uh, time passed by in the adventure? Did you feel the time pressure? I think after the pothole and the repair, there was definitely quite some pressure, especially on the encounters, <laughs> and I'm, I'm, I'm quite trying to aim for the. Um, Anabaptist water station encounter. I think that is one that didn't only suffer in, in our playthrough, but also in my other parallel playthrough. There was the old um, ascetic, but uh, well, was it Mika who picked the water? I think so. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was me. Yeah, yeah. It was Mika. And yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the, the pressure, the time pressure definitely started like getting heavier after the, the pothole, mostly because okay, we spent a bunch of time doing this, like we spent like most an hour or so doing this. And, uh, you know, it, it is intended to have the pothole and then the sun starts go down. So it's like there's a, the whole pressure is building up. Maybe at the beginning, the first encounters, you are like, oh, we just left justice and there's no problem. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm probably we spent like probably an hour at the cafe at the Sparrow. So it's but you don't notice that but when suddenly like you're in a crisis moment you know the the, the wheel bre breaks down and you have to somehow let people letting you into your house to fix it it's like okay so there's a lot of pressure building here how how did you feel the time passes or um did you think that okay we there's a potential to fail this mission if uh, time runs out um, you prepared this little um, graphic with uh, a sundial, basically. So from from uh, sun sunrise to sundown, and you moved the sun along the adventure, and that was something that was pressuring me because uh, from noon on, it went pretty fast because we lost so much time on the broken card. And yeah, that was something that pressured me. And I think it visualized the pressure very good. Yeah, it's not a graphic prop. Yeah, yeah. for, for um, those who, who didn't see, we, we had a um, Foundry VTT setup. And uh, I've prepared some sort of little sun that traverses the, the horizon or some sort of arc. 
and I changed it from time to time to uh, pressurize a little bit, and it seemed to have worked. Um, now I think there are different ways for every GM to kind of put some pressure on the players. Either you do it graphically or you uh, tell the players how much time is left until uh, sunset, for example. Say there's only a few hours left or you can guess it's just one or two hours left. I think there are many ways to to put more pressure. But uh, of course, people will try to um, ditch any possible encounter after that if the pressure is too high. Now we had the old um, Anabaptist who tries to mumble and... Uh, talk about forgiveness and uh, the corruption of uh, mankind and the infected Numa, but well, in the end it was just about, give me the water, old man! Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean that's, that's, that's really, it really puts you on edge. Like, come on, I don't have time for this. Like, I, I maybe I had at the beginning, but definitely right now I don't have any more time for this, and I don't need your bullshit. And I, I, I mean, it, it is a great, like, Climax, you know, having the the old man just doing his stuff, like being himself. But on the other side, it's like, okay, I can't deal with this right now. I, I am not prepared for this. It was um, equally short, um, just like the um, scrapper who who passed by. I think that was also our episode cut. What could this be? This smell, this noise, <laughs> and. Um, uh, it's a shame it, it came a little bit too short, but uh, it's also a very nice detail on on being a scrapper and scrapperhood, uh, carrying all this this material in their carrying rig. And I, I, I felt like he's a very... Uh, Boat was his name. I felt yeah. he's a very yeah. lighthearted character. He had a stalk of wheat poke, poking out of his mouth, whistling a song, and uh, like just overall happy to, to haul all this... Um, Scrap back to Tech Central. So um, I, I felt it really nice that Liam tied in a way to meet this character again. So yeah, he, will be, he will be available in Tech Central for a few weeks. So there are definitely ways to tie in NPCs to locations in Justician and just to catch up with the group and yeah. uh, get back to these individual characters. I think that's and also you very portrayed nice. him as a very charismatic and sympathetic guy. So that's a person you really want to meet then again in the Justician, but not now. Not now, not on the way. Yeah. <laughs> not on not, the not road. Not on the way and maybe showered because he's also portrayed as a very, very smelly person. <laughs> well, we were carrying a corpse. We cannot complain. I mean, I, I, I love the description of like how we just, or was it, was it Ed, I think, who approached him, like just breaking a wall and the smell just hits you oh. and it's horrible. <laughs> yeah, the description from one stench I mean, to I, another. Talking, talking about smell, one yeah. narrative, uh, thing that's done in Harm's way that I love is I, at the end when you arrive at Harm's at, at, I'm like the smell of the corpse doesn't matter because the place entirely smells of pig shit so that, 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 that's a really nice and narrative way to just like forget about that that nuance throughout the, the whole adventure oh, yeah. and suddenly it's not a problem anymore because like Hooker is not able to smell it because it's surrounded by pig shit and I think that's and when you hear it it's yeah, like a I mean, it's phew. Great. Close uh, one for me. It was yeah. the first time I read it. Was like, okay, this is this is really good. <laughs> this is really good. Like this is really think of, yeah, yeah, yeah. The the pig shit. But um, on on the way, there's I, I will just uh, go go through a little bit the the encounters. There was a last one that you successfully um, ditched at this point. It was the chroniclers, and um, I I, I like the build up 
to the chroniclers because you hear about the drone, you hear about an observer being on the road, and I think for a new player, like what the hell is an observer? What are drones doing here? I thought this is um, post-apocalyptic, uh, after end of the world kind of, what is all this high tech about? I think it's a nice introduction to the uh, chroniclers being so detached and as, uh, and now we, I, I'm not sure if I should spoil the, spoil the encounter. Uh, I'm asking the others because they, I, I like the encounter and I, I want people to, to look it up also. And I really like how the, um, the chronicler and the um, accompanying judge were, were described and how, how, how this also kind of puts light on the chroniclers. What do you think? Shall we talk a little bit about it? Or just about the way you, wow. you used to circumvent the whole... Well, well we, we are more familiar with the genesis, I think. So we really knew that there's no funning around with chroniclers. So we like, put, no, definitely go other way around. Okay. <laughs> I, I really liked, like the, the visual description, actually, of how you portrayed oh, yeah. it. Like, just this guy standing in the yeah. distance as the sun is setting down. And just sparkling like a Christmas tree, just like <laughs> totally the last thing you'd want to do in a post-apocalyptic world, just being so flashy. And I mean that—that's the whole like shtick with like chroniclers, them being flashy and trying to uh, circumvent violence through just appearing like gods. But like he was a lighthouse, just like sh telling us, like just go around me, please. Yeah, I—I I, I think I will at this point. We should rather leave it to to the players and GMs to to check it out in harm's way. But um, what we did at this point is Liam inserted some option to circumvent this encounter. It's, it was very uh, a wise thought to to think that players will probably want to uh, not get um, interrogated by any chronicler because uh, they are pretty inquisitive. And so you chose the way to push the cart and the donkey through the wasteland or some or some sort of road or a little way that leads around around the whole encounter. And uh, I don't know, did you remember the little detail that I added to the story? The tombstones or the, yeah, the, the rocks the that I found? Yeah. Yeah. Now, I've added this because I just... I just read the story about um, people not being fully buried, but also uh, repurposed to some degree in this whole Moloch. And I liked uh, to, to add a little bit of personal touch by having some sort of place. Like, what do you do with, with the dead bodies? What do you do with the deceased ones in, in gestation? There's, you have the knackers that come and uh, try to, to, to gather dead providers at this point. So if, if you really want your um, your loved one to, to have a fixed resting place and not being repurposed in the Moloch, you will have to find a, a place to bury them and also bury them at some spot where there's not too many people around. That was a nice little detail, yeah. Now, I think we are through all the encounters. Now, I look at you, Eric. Did you have any favorites? Um, yeah, again, that's tough. I think actually I, what I love the most, I think is the way the tension built right up to the end. Um, and that the realization that, 
oh no, this corpse that we're carrying could be, uh, you know, um, either, you know, Anabaptist or chronicler, like that ratcheted up the tension. Um, and then, yeah, that, that final encounter at the very end, the final approach, I'm just looking at it right now again, but yeah, that final encounter with the judge and, and that realization that like you, you mentioned earlier, is like sort of Tarantino-esque, like nothing has happened. There has been no violence yet, but it could immediately just go completely sideways. Like all yeah. of that effort could just be for nothing. And it could be really, really bad. So that I think was my favorite just because it, it worked out so well where the time, you know, it doesn't often work out that way unless you tr- sort of try to manipulate things as a GM to sort of ratchet up that tension, but it just sort of naturally the way it was written and sort of the way everything progressed. So that last scene I think was, was my favorite. I was like, Oh no, <laughs> you know, as an observer, I'm like, Oh no, what are they going to do? So it was really good. I, I also felt that Etta was the person of authority to, to Hawker. So he, he tried to talk to her in the beginning and also asking several times, Judge, what the hell is happening here? You know, can, can you explain, please? So yeah. um, I, I, want, I wanted to see Lucas sweat at this point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and she feel, felt intimidated, definitely. So she was somewhat nice to him. At least she acknowledged his superiority um, in the cult. Oh, definitely. So, you did a good job, yeah. Yeah, I felt a little bit like Eric. So oh, I think now it's going all down the road. For us so we made it yeah. <laughs> even around the chronicler and put in a lot of effort and at this point i had a strong feeling that we are maybe too late to deliver the corpse in time so yeah that was pretty intense now well, the uncertainty in the end did you yeah. you checked out harm's way afterwards after we've we've played it um, yeah there is the uh, i like the rules of um another another that i also played it out uh, how the social encounter works it's basically not a fighting counter it's a social encounter where you add up the uh, the successes of both parties and i try to track the successes all while having new excuse excuses and new um new ways to well to to All, all while having you come up with new ways uh, why he can't expect the card. So that, that's also very, very nice that you, you can have this kind of social battle going on with, and he's, he's got high stats. Harker has, <laughs> I, I think it was seven yeah. in, in, in it. It was very easy for him to dismantle all those lies. And so this all deteriorated more and more and more until the point where he basically, um, was just about to flip the, the tarp and see the corpse. And then came Deus Ex Machina, who was, uh, was Elrich. It, it was a contact. And um, that was also in Han's way, um, that the, the written adventure that Elrich basically frees the character, uh, liberates them from, from Hawker by just calling on him, coming like a friend, and they seem to know each other. And um, there's something you haven't seen, You, I think you missed a perception check, but uh, you could have seen how Elrich uh, kind of bribes Hawker, which would have uh, shed also a different light on your perception, especially Etta's view of um, the mounted judges. I mean, I, I like I like how it's how it's laid out as a boss encounter. It is a boss fight. It is 100% the boss fight, but not the way you think it would be. Like, totally. it, it is intended to be the, the final boss encounter where you are, you're going all out. We are spending all of our ego, but we are not shedding a single drop of blood. And for me, that's amazing. Like that, that, that really, 
that really summarizes what we were talking like this whole hour and and what the genesis tries to emulate you know like the, the social conflict it is a game about people treating with people and uh, and this 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 encounter it's for me it's like the the senet of of it all you know of the of that idea and i'm really glad you didn't have guns because this probably <laughs> would have turned out into a murder fest <laughs> yeah i'm pretty sure it would have actually i was preparing to stab him in the back if he is getting yeah. into the card because um i was uh, pretty desperate at, at this point because i i felt like we just got no of our roles right and that he got more and more suspicious and that there is actually no way out with talking so um i think i said yeah okay then look into the card and in this moment the guy from harm came and distracted him yeah likewise Vesper was also pulling his knuckle dusters behind his backs because we were so much pulled into the corner like that now after our completely botched uh, bribe attempt. Uh, was really, all... really intense situation. All characters getting ready to, to, to stab the protector and... Uh... Last moment. It was beautiful. There was room for another corpse in the card, so... <laughs> there was probably, yeah. yes. And it wasn't my favorite option, so I really did not want to stab this guy, but um, I knew that if he gets to, uh, a look into this card, uh, that we have some serious trouble. Uh, it, it was definitely the last desperate measure. It was like, okay, if everything goes to hell, this is the only way out. And, and that was really because, we, I, I, at least in my case, like I could feel how we were like just like grasping at the tail. You're like, oh my god, I don't want to do this, but I will have to. And it was like really tense situation. I, I loved it. No, one thing we can talk about at this point is uh, consequences. Um, the <laughs> killing a mounted protector and the way he's described in in the supplement is that he's really powerful and there would have been some very very dire consequences for all characters if they stepped in uh, in a violent way and uh, still I think they are, um, the way all these encounters are played out there will definitely be some future consequences um, for all the characters be it um, the judges uh, becoming suspicious or uh, Mika having a, a date with a judge who knows <laughs> but, um, yeah. yeah I mean uh, one thing uh, like one thought I have is what does harm's way means to the Genesis in a way like in what we just said that the Genesis is a social game it, it's intended to be a game about people and after like the adventures we have you know like in Die Blood uh, the killing game and Black Atlantic after all that amount of content having harm's way it goes very well in my, in my opinion it goes very well with something that's said in the Righteous Feast like when at the beginning, the, first, the third chapter, the chapter that talks about Justician, there's a, there's a little column that talks about the typical Borkan and how someone hailing from Borka, like, like, you know, work his whole life as a provider or whatever, like how they live and how they, they experience the world. And f to me, Harm's Way shows the, that, like that, shows the, the, how a normal, peep, a normal person, you know, a normal character can have these kind of adventures in a really simple setting, in a really simple situation, and, and how it's all about social, like how it's all about people living their lives and trying to do what they can to get by. Uh, like, like for me, Hammersway definitely shows 
this side of the genesis, the, the intended side of the role-playing of the genesis, at least in my opinion. Everything fits together. It's like a perfect puzzle. Yeah, the corpse trafficking is even mentioned in the justicia. <laughs> and, and we do have some... Uh, no, it's really, really slight touch of uh, meta plot and the larger political conflicts going on in the story as well. And it well, was all the way right under our noses. <laughs> Well, now that you've all read the uh, the adventure, then there are probably no spoilers for you who this uh, character could be, um, this person who, who's now dead, the corpse, with no marking on the forehead. But I think yeah. um, it's also a great way to raise suspicion uh, and to to make the characters wonder what's going on, because usually you don't happen to carry the corpse of um, a chronicler, especially if horribly tortured corpse, I think should emphasize, uh, the GM should emphasize that this uh, person has been probably tortured or questioned at some point. And I think that's also a very interesting well, fact. There's a very descriptive artwork, so. <laughs> yes, but yeah. you, the artwork is great. Now, what, what do you think will happen with your characters? Or no, what what, in the what end, do your characters uh, want to do? In the end, the very end, I, as Vespa suggested, a round of distillate in the local tavern. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So that, that's for sure. I mean, Mika will, Maybe taking a bath. Mika will definitely like have to date this protector and just avoid all questions. But I mean, if I had to guess, like Mika, after all of this, would definitely like try to at least have a good points, score points with with Vesper, just to get herself into the carrion birds and probably achieves it. Like, why not? She is carrion bird material, definitely. I feel like Kiefer would probably just—I mean, with the whole experience with the uh, this battalions throughout the like the story, I mean, they weren't really positive, but I'm I'm sure like he would still like try to like get into the whole like the cult. But also, I kind of feel like this whole relationship really builds his relationship. Uh, this whole story builds his relationship with his sister. Like it was at the start, it stated that they're like this is the last like job he'll help his sister with but i mean kind of feels at the end of it like that they might like become closer and actually hang out more i suppose but at what price that's uh, yeah that's yeah yeah etta is i think pretty sure that she's not off the hook because she did again a dirty job for for the carrion birds and will be probably bribed again into something like that um so maybe she is using this new connection in her favor and tries to get drugs from the apocalyptic because it's really hard to get drugs right now in in justician maybe hawker just started the same way who knows <laughs> now it's just checking at the time right now there is a little announcement we should do i think um quite important we still have a uh, raffle going now <laughs> we're recording this before the actual raffle but um we'll be airing this during the raffle so um we are supplying a prize. Uh, more exactly, it's uh, Captain Yar who has supplied us with a um, quite a nice package of um, books and uh, supplements for um, for a lucky winner. So in some time, we will be doing um, this sort of 
raffle for everyone who uh, well shares the podcast on social media with the hashtag the Odeon Project. So please feel free to go back to your uh, social media channels and uh, like, subscribe, and and share the podcast here and uh, have a chance to to win a beautiful package. Um, I don't have the list in mind now. What exactly was again in in the whole uh, raffle prize? It's a copy of Justician, uh, um, along with uh, a copy of Harm's Way and Troika, and there's also a Rebirth edition. So that's um, The core book. Yeah, it's a core book. Thank you. Core yes, yeah. thank you. Yes. And it's a got G nice list plate in a, in a lore book and a rule book. So it's, I think, 1,200 pages of Degenesis lore and rules, 600 in Justician, 600 in Rebirth, and also Harm's Way and Troika as two smaller supplements. These supplements cannot be bought. They came with the copies of Justician, and you cannot buy them in a single way, and also a GM screen. So that's about worth a lot of chestnuts, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> oh, definitely. <laughs> a lot of yeah. It's uh, very generous. It's a huge, huge package. So um, anyone just really, really use the chance, um, share the podcast, be the lucky winner. It's it's an amazing, amazing package. Now, I, I think we've reached the end of um, our episode. At this point, it is also time to definitely thank some people. Um Lime Foley at this point for, for writing this amazing, amazing adventure uh, we've played through. And I think there will be lots of happy GMs and players who will enjoy uh, their different, very different playthroughs. So also feel free to come visit us on the Discord and tell us about um, how Harm's Way turned out for you. Um, we would also like to um, thank Six from Vodka and uh, Marco Djordjevic. <laughs> I hope I pronounced it the right way. <laughs> Please correct me, Luca. Um, I think you did it right, but I'm failing at it every time. So <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I think I wrote it down last time that you, you, there was a post about it. And I was like, I should remember this. So thank you again for, for bringing out this uh, wonderful world of Degenesis. And um, our special non-player guest here, Eric, thank you again for uh, taking his journey with us, um, giving us these amazing intros and also sharing your opinion on uh, Harm's Way. It was great fun. Thanks. We have Gunsmile, who has been kicking our asses and scheduling and uh, putting up this whole project. It was amazing. Thank you to you, Gunsmile. And um, also, especially for the um, intro and the sound editing, we have uh, Nizith, who is right here as a player, and also Greedy Jack, who changes his names just often enough that we can just name him Jack, maybe. <laughs> He also sports his own ch YouTube channel, The War of Piast for Polish fans, so I recommend visiting his... He recently put a very nice starting video for everyone who wants to dive into the Genesis. Go there. Yes, yes. Um, we have many channels or um, opportunities for new players and GMs to gather material. It's a very active community. There are, um, there are YouTube channels, there are podcasts, so um, keep your eyes peeled, uh, peeled. And I think the best way is to just... Uh, Hop in and talk to us on the Discord, the official one. Come yeah, here, yes. Come, come here. Join us. <laughs> come on, come on. Now, one uh, last big thank you to um, to you, Luca, Estes, Savitic, and uh, Nizif for for playing Hans Way with me and uh, 
for, for doing such a great job and uh, playing so many uh, thrilling and uh, funny situations. It's, and uh, thank you, Clavian, for mastering it. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, definitely. Great. It was yeah. great fun. It was a pleasure. Yeah. And now that, now that we thank each other and everyone here, um, <laughs> just a last word and a little bit of advertisement. Um, if you like the podcast and you haven't played it so far, uh, Genesis is um, a pay-what-you-want RPG, meaning that uh, you can download the books and the supplements for free right now and have a look at it yourself. But if you enjoy the copies, if you enjoy um, the adventure of the world, definitely I recommend, highly recommend you buy um, the beautiful books. Uh, I think each book itself is great masterpiece, uh, well-crafted, um, really something that, um, that baffles all my players when I hand them over the books and they, they look at the artworks. But also uh, feel free to uh, leave a little donation to SMV to keep the games and the supplements going. And with that, I would say we're done for today. Thank you for tuning in, everyone. And um, see you hopefully in a sequel. We'll find out. <laughs> yeah, that would be great if, if people who are listening uh, let us know if they are interested in maybe a sequel. Yeah. Yes, yeah, definitely. Leave us, leave us some comments. Come, come to the Discord. Leave us comments, please. Send love our way, please. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. Goodbye. Bye. Thank you. Goodbye. Bye. It was fun.